Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to those of you who've gathered here in the room. Welcome to all of you who are joining us online. We're glad that you're with us today as we gather together to worship God. We like to begin with this greeting Christians have been using forever, basically. The Lord be with you. Thank you. We do believe that the Lord meets us here as we gather together to worship him. Pray with me, will you? Lord, this morning, I just am overwhelmed at the thought of the love that you have for us. Lord, while we were your enemies, you still died for us. There's not a place you won't go to find us. There's not a place you won't, a rock you won't turn over, Lord, to see if we're there. Lord, there's nowhere we can go where we can hide from your love. There's no height, there's no depth, there's no width that can separate us. Lord, I thank you for that love this morning. And again, I'm overwhelmed by that love that you have for us. And Lord, as we're reminded, you also alone are worthy. You're worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our devotion. You are worthy of our unashamed love. You you are worthy, Lord. You are just worthy. I thank you, Father, for being that God that God that we can turn to, that God will never forsake us, that God that will never leave us, that God who will always be faithful to us. Thank you, Lord, for being just who you are. Lord, as we come to you this morning, I thank you for each person here in this room. I thank you for each person who is watching online. For those people who will look at this and watch this later, Lord, may this time that we're together be a blessing to them. May they hear a word from you, Lord, that is just for them, where they are in their lives, with the struggles they may have, with the concerns or the burdens that they are carrying, Lord. May this time that we're together speak to each one. I thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. I thank you, Lord. I thank you. And Lord, we pray all these things in your precious and holy name, because you alone are worthy. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. Great, great. Wave hello to each other, if you will. We're almost to the place of wandering around and saying hello. Um, we do have coffee in the back again and some prepackaged non-breakfast snacks. So we do have those back there. And now Pastor Rich is going to come and he is going to share some announcements and then bring us the word. Thank you, Pastor Judy. I did want to uh, make sure that uh, you all had a chance to connect and uh, write us a little note. All of you in the room, you know, you can grab one of those little cards back there. But uh, any of us here or online can go to livinghope.info slash connect and uh, fill out one of those little digital connect cards and let us know you're with us. Uh, share any feedback or comments or questions or anything like that. And um, while you're, if you're in the room, as you're dropping that card in there, you can drop an offering in that box back by the door or any of us can go to livinghope.info slash give and, uh, and give online as well. Uh, thank you to all of you who've been doing that. And, uh, and I did, I mentioned on the little handout that you've got, but I don't have anything on the screen that today is uh, Annalise Felbar's open house at Zao Island. Speaking of graduates, graduating from high school, Annalise has uh, been up here and, and well, still, she's got a few more times to be up here uh, leading and singing along with the rest of her family. So we're not, we're not saying goodbye to Annalise just yet uh, as she gets ready to go down to Purdue. Um, but uh, yeah, if you want to join her and congratulate her, uh, they've invited all of us to just, you know, swing by anytime uh, between noon and five over at Zao Island uh, to congratulate her and uh, wish her well. So um, 
today, um, let's see, I think that's it for announcements. I think that's all I've got to mention to you. Unless somebody else knows something I forgot that I should have said something about or anything. That, no? Okay. All right. Um, we, are, uh, we are leaving behind the, the questions series. I wasn't sure uh, approaching today. Uh, like, there were other questions that I had that I thought, well, maybe people would like to know about this. But I think I answered all the questions that you gave. Uh, other than one person, somebody who just wrote dinosaurs, question uh, mark. That was their whole question. Um, and we talked about that privately. So, anyway. Uh, but so, uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. But anyway. Um, but so today, I wanted to, to talk a little bit about... Uh, something that it connects with last week a little bit, uh, and, and the part of me wants to apologize too. The last two weeks, I have, uh, I have tested your patience. Uh, those of you, the, the messages have gone long, and the services have gone long, and uh, I'm reminded of something I was told way back in college and seminary, that uh, the mind can only receive what the seat can endure. Um, and so I'm going to try to make today a little bit more brief, all right? So we'll, we'll see if I succeed in that. I was looking at what... Um, you know, there's this thing called the lectionary out there. We follow it sometimes during seasons of Lent, seasons of Advent, leading up to Easter and to Christmas, uh, where lots and lots of churches, they will look at the same passages of Scripture. Uh, you know, usually something from the New Testament, something from the Old Testament, maybe one of the Psalms. And, and so I was looking uh, to that to see, like, well, what are a bunch of our brothers and sisters in other churches going to be looking at today? And one of the passages today is, is the one that you've got here at the front from Mark chapter 4. Uh, it's a couple of little stories that Jesus told to illustrate the, the kingdom of God. Uh, the kingdom of God was the message that Jesus came to proclaim. When we asked, like, what was the good news that Jesus preached? He was, he was proclaiming the kingdom of God has come. That God is, is establishing himself once again as king. Uh, which is good news to folks who are like, oh, man, Rome has been king. Or, or you know, all these other things have ruled over my life. And, uh, and it's good to know, okay, God is showing up on the scene once again. All right, good, he's going to establish his kingdom. Excellent. And so Jesus tries to teach people, what does that look like? What does the kingdom of God look like? How can he help us to conceive of it, to imagine what this might be like? What's, what's going to happen as God uh, brings about his rule, his reign here in the world? And so we've got a couple stories. Uh, it's, you know, catching us midstream. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or get up, gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. Uh, now, that might not be the first story that you think of when you think of the kingdom of God and, and seeds. And, and In fact, as I started that, some of you are thinking, oh, it's going to be that story about the sower and the seeds and how some lands on good soil and some lands in the thorns and some lands on the path and all that. He tells that story earlier in Mark chapter 4. It's not the only time Jesus talked about seeds and people planting them. Uh, here, he, he tells a story that's, uh, I mean, it's, I feel like I can relate to it, especially that he does not know how part, uh, because, you know, I've got a rudimentary understanding of, like, the whole seed and all the bits and how it works, but it's very rudimentary. And he's just saying, like, look, somebody plants seeds, it grows. He doesn't know how. It just does. And then once the harvest time comes, he's ready to harvest. Uh, let me continue with the second story, and then I'll come back and say a little more. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed which is the smallest of all seeds on earth, yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. So he's, he's trying to help us conceive of like what is going to happen. Right? And we, we know from reading the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the story of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, that things did not go as people expected, right? 
I mean, as Jesus arrives in Jerusalem, the crowds were ready. They were waving the palm branches like, Hosanna, blessed is you who comes in the name of the Lord, the Son of David, the coming King, the Messiah. They were ready for Jesus to walk in and kick the Romans out and to set up his kingdom again there in Jerusalem and for God to rule and reign from his capital city, from his temple right there. And that's not what happened, right? Uh, Jesus instead goes in and confronts the temple leadership about how they needed to shape up and start doing things right. And he continues to teach and continues to heal. And finally, the, you know, his, one of his own disciples uh, hands him over to the religious leaders who hand him over to the Roman authorities. And Jesus dies on a Roman cross. Doesn't go at all the way people imagine. So how on earth is Jesus coming? How is this the kingdom of God arriving. How is this um, what they had hoped for? How is this fit with his message? And that's where these little stories, I think, help us. Because Jesus says, look, the kingdom of God is like, it's like seeds that fall on the ground and vanish and then reemerge. You know, a plant grows from it. Something grows there. And, and in other parts of scripture, that planting of a seed is kind of compared to human death and burial. And, and here's what happens with Jesus. Right? He dies. He gives his life for us, and he dies, and he is planted. Right, And the kingdom of God is, is what emerges. Now, thankfully, God doesn't leave Jesus in the grave. You know, he raises him from death. He conquers sin and death and the devil, and, and that's how we know we can uh, share in his freedom and his life today. We can be forgiven. Sin doesn't have the last word in our lives. Even death is something we don't need to be afraid of because we know that one day all of us who are trusting in Christ, we too will experience his, this resurrection. But there's a death first. <laughs> But this, these stories are reminding us that, you know what, There's, there are seeds that get planted. Tiny little seeds. Seemingly insignificant. And we don't understand how it all works. I mean, that's what he says. The, the guy doesn't know how this works. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of uh, the Apostle Paul in one of his letters where he, he says, like, look, I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but God makes it grow. He's saying, you know, I'm teaching you the good news. I'm, I'm announcing to you the good news. You can trust in Jesus. You can have new life in him. You know, other people have come along and have watered that seed, encouraged you to trust him, taught you what that looks like in your life. But it's God who makes faith grow, who makes life emerge um, among people who are trusting in him. He says, we don't, we don't understand how this all works. We trust God. We do our part. We plant little seeds of, of kindness, of goodness, of encouragement. We, we are faithful to, to trust in Jesus. We, we let people know the difference he's made in our lives. You know, this scattering seed, if you go back to that parable of the sower and the soils, um, Jesus explains to the disciples, this is like the message of God. This is the word of God going out to, to human hearts, to human minds. And some people are closed, some people receive it, some people are distracted, but you know, some people receive it well and it bears fruit in their lives. We talked about this a couple of months ago, talking about the fruitful life. Here, once again, he's just saying, look, we don't know how this works exactly. It's going to be confusing. <laughs> it's okay if you don't understand it. I feel like Jesus is saying, he's setting them up to say, like, it's, it's going to be okay. If things happen and you don't understand, it doesn't make sense, it's all right. God is faithful. The plant will grow. And one day, it'll be harvest time. Now, that harvest uh, image is used sometimes in Scripture. It's used for, like, that moment of conversion, that moment where, like, someone's finally ready and they're coming to faith. There's that moment where Jesus... Um, and the disciples, they see all these people coming out to hear the good news and responding in faith to Jesus. And Jesus tells his disciples, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field because the harvest is, is ready. It's ripe for harvest. And, you know, like there are people here ready to say yes to Jesus, ready to receive this good news. 
But there are a lot of other places in Scripture where this harvest imagery is, is used to talk about judgment, like the final judgment. Like one day, God's going to show up and there's going to be a great harvesting, you know, and um, like reference to all of us, you know, being harvested, going to be with him. And, um, and so perhaps, I don't know which way this is going exactly. I'm, the, it's a parable. It's kind of open to interpretation. He doesn't explain this one. But I think the picture I'm getting is that like, okay, we continue to do what we know to do. You know, the seeds continue to be planted. The kingdom comes. It grows. We don't understand it all the time. But one day, the harvest will come. One day, the, you know, the end, it will finally reach its fulfillment, its conclusion. But until then, we, we keep planting little seeds. And they are small seeds. That's where he goes with that next parable, right? It's, uh, it's tiny little seeds. And he grabs the smallest one they're aware of, the mustard seed. And he says, look, it's the tiniest seed you've got. But then you plant it and look. Look at what big bushes you know, it produces. And the birds can perch and, and, uh, and uh, perch in its shade of these, of these mustard plants. Um, again, it starts small, seemingly insignificant. But then it becomes something significant that makes a difference to others. That is life-giving. Um, and so that seems to be, and Jesus uses other, other parables to, to try to get at that as well. He talks about uh, uh, the kingdom of God being like a little bit of yeast that works its way through the whole batch of dough. Something that starts out small but has a big impact. Well, I think sometimes about uh, us and our lives here and now. Uh, as Christians living in the world, living in Valparaiso, living in Indiana, living in the United States of America, living in the world. As we think about, okay, uh, what does God want to do here? What do I need to do here? I think sometimes we get discouraged because we think, I can't make a big difference, right? I mean, I, I'm not in charge. I don't, I don't rule the world. Uh, there, there are many Christians, you know, they're, how they're feeling about how God is working in the world seems to fluctuate based on who gets elected president, right? You know, if, it, if, it's, if it's our person that gets elected president, woohoo, God's winning. And if it's not our person, whoever that our person is, then we feel like we've been defeated and it's a setback. And, you know, we're, we're, it's like we're constantly swinging for the fences. You know, if, if we can't hit a home run, then we feel like we shouldn't be swinging at all. Um, I just listened to one of the podcasts I regularly listen to. I don't even remember which one, uh, but I was mowing the grass, and they were talking about baseball and how it's changed and how there's so many more uh, either strikeouts or home runs or walks. Or, there are a lot fewer just like base hits these days, and it, it apparently has to do with the fact that pitchers are hurling that thing like crazy, and the speed of the ball has gotten so fast that, like, all you can do, you're either going to miss it or you're going to knock it out of the park. And there's just not much in between anymore. And uh, I was never good at baseball. I was just terrible at it. All right. We, I played like one year of Little League. And at some point, I, I, I never connected well with the ball, you know, trying to swing. And, and uh, you know, I can run around, but, I, you know, catching it is, you know, hit or miss. And, uh, and one time, the, the ball hit me in the helmet, cracked my helmet, and I thought, Okay, so I was always a little, you know, gun shy after that. <laughs> I was ready to kind of duck back after that. I was, you know, I was little, and uh, never been great at it. If if there's a, if there is a rematch someday between the teens and the grown-ups here uh, playing softball, you don't want me playing on your team. All right, um, I will cheer from the sidelines. You don't really want me out there trying to hit the ball. Uh, but I feel like what Jesus is saying here is like it's it's okay to like just get the base hit. It's okay just to, to have like small, a small win, a small, you know, a small action. Small actions are good. You know, it's an, it's an okay thing to not hit a home run. It's an okay thing not to like transform your community. It's an okay thing just to focus on the simple, small things that you as an individual can do, the difference that you can make. You don't have to start a nonprofit that like totally solves some major world problem, right? You can just be yourself. 
You can just be one small seed being planted. You can just do these small acts of love, loving your neighbor as yourself, and that that's okay. That as these seeds are planted, it does have a bigger impact. That down the road, the impact is, is huge. It starts out small, but it, it grows quite large. <laughs> one day, we know the kingdom of God will cover all the earth. I mean, the, the prophets talk about that. The scriptures talk about this, that one day Jesus Christ will be all in all. He will rule over all things. King of kings, Lord of lords, and that will be known and demonstrated. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We look forward to that day. We're not there yet, right? And it's not our job to, like, jump ourselves there or to try to make that happen. Our job is to keep planting small seeds, to just have some small wins, some base hits, just doing the, the little bit that we can do. But then God can use that to do amazing things. I was, um, when I think of like, okay, so what does that look like? What do we do that uh, can, can be some of these small wins? I was thinking about things that I wish I could have said last week. You know, last week as we were talking about LGBTQ uh, questions and how do we love our family members and friends uh, who are part of that community. Um, I felt like I spent a whole lot of time on just like, you know, some basic stuff, and then didn't really get to the meat of like, okay, and here's how we can do that. Here's how we can love them. And, and so there were some scriptures that were in my mind, and I actually shared some of these in the notes and didn't really have time to, to deal with them. And, and so we're not going to go back and, and, in some ways, there's a little bit of this is like, you know, you can hear this in light of that message, and like, here are some things we do for our, our neighbors, no matter who they are. Um, but otherwise, this is like just what I feel like, like if we as Christians can just do these small things, it will have a big impact. So here are some words of Jesus from from Luke chapter 6. I'd included these in your notes last week and just kind of, uh, you know, lightly touched on them. But uh, Jesus says, do to others as you would have them do to you. You've heard that one before, right? Golden rule stuff here, all right? We're we're teaching our boys this, trying to, you know, this is basic stuff. You treat other people like you would like to be treated. And it's in the context, Jesus has already been talking about loving your enemies, and he continues with this, but love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. He's saying you will be recognized as children of your Heavenly Father. You will be living a life that looks like God as you love your enemies, as you are good to people who aren't necessarily being good to you, as you are serving others who aren't serving you, as you are taking the initiative to love others, as you love first. That's what God has done with us, right? He loved first. He didn't wait for us to love him. Out of love for us, he moved first. He reached out in love to us first, and he's done that for each and every one of us in our lives. God has started loving us and has reached out in love to us in so many ways before we finally, you know, and that, for most of us, that's what finally got us like, oh, wait, what? You know, finally got our attention, and finally, um, I think the scripture says it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. You know, finally, God's kindness is to us, opened our eyes, and we realized, wow, there is a God who loves me. Oh, man, I, I've, been, I've been living as if there wasn't. I've been living like I'm in charge. I've been living like I need to, you know, get all this for myself. God loved first, and now our life is a response to that. And we are invited by Jesus now to love first, to love even those who consider themselves our enemies. And as we, as we do this, this, makes an, this has an impact, Right? Uh, so he says some ways that we do this. He says, do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. He's, he's, these are like things that invite reciprocity, right? He's saying, you go first. You, you, don't, you refuse to judge someone, and then you know, they are less likely to judge you. You refuse to condemn, and you know, you're less likely you'll have condemning things aimed your way. 
If you forgive, people will forgive you. If you give, it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So Jesus is assuming you're going to be generous with folks. You're going to, you're going to give them this heaping, you know, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. It's like you fit all you could into this basket before you gave it to them. He says they're going to be generous toward you. You love first, and people will love you back. It's like he's saying this, this has an impact on others. It helps transform their lives, helps transform a community, all because you, as an individual, decided to, to love first. You decided to, to just go for the small win, to, to say something kind to that person that looked like they could use a little kindness today, to, to take just a second when you saw that the person who was checking uh, your stuff out at the grocery store looked like they were frazzled or the person in front of them had been a little rude or whatever, and you go out of your way to say something uh, to let them know you appreciate what they're doing today, or you, know, you start making conversation that's just polite, right? You, you pay attention to the person instead of just pretending they're a self-checkout that you got to get through. Um, you don't treat them like a machine, you treat them like a human being, and you, you show a little bit of kindness, and that makes a little bit of impact right? We love first, we do good to others, and it invites reciprocity. It changes things. They're not huge home runs, right? It's just one little act of kindness, one small moment that you took out of your day, and then you, you keep going, and like your day barely changed, but it might have had a dramatic change on that person that you were kind to, that you listened to, that you prayed for. So we as Christians, man, if we, if we would all do this, if we would all get out there and just be planting these little kingdom seeds, think of all the, think of all the, the changes that could happen you know, in, a, in families, in a school, in a workplace, in a community. If we would all just keep planting those little seeds, you know, just putting little bits of love and kindness and goodness and grace out into the world, what God has given to us, we share with others. And he continues because he knows that we struggle with this. I mean, he's having to tell us not to judge and not to condemn because he knows we have this tendency, right? He knows we have this tendency to, to look at the flaws in others and not see them in ourselves. So he says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? He's just getting ridiculous here, right? And he's saying, you've got like a board sticking out of your eye and you're all concerned about the little tiny little speck in his eye. You see their problems, but you don't see your own. So how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you've got, failed to see the plank in your own eye? It's no wonder sometimes people see Christians coming and they go the other way, right? Because they've seen us. They've seen the way that we fail to acknowledge our own weaknesses, our own faults. We think that we've got it all together and we're, we're out to teach them how to live and how to, you know, what they need to do. We've got the answers and they don't. And they, you know, they see us coming with a plank sticking out of our eye. Like they don't want to get hit by that. He says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. If you want to be helpful, <laughs> look in the mirror, admit your, your faults, get the help that you need, get rid of that plank, then you can be useful to help. And at, the, at the end of this little section, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Like, there's a little bit of frustration, you know, in his voice, like, you're calling me Lord, okay, good, you know who I am, now, now let's do this, you know, let's, let's, you know, aim for some base hits, let's just, let's get in there and, and do a little bit of good. Let's, let's love some enemies. Let's refuse to condemn. Let's, let's forgive. Let's be generous. Let's love first and see if a difference can't be made. Now, another passage of scripture that, that like connects in my head to this, and you can tell me if you feel like it connects or not, is what the Apostle Paul says to, uh, to the Christians in Rome in Romans chapter 12. Um, 
I started in your notes there with verse 10, but you can go all the way back to the beginning. You can read, I mean, obviously you can read the whole letter. Uh, it's all good stuff. Uh, he's trying to help these uh, Jewish and Gentile believers learn to get along together, and, uh, and they're struggling with that, uh, not just in Rome, but all over the world, as God is doing this new thing and bringing people together that had never been uh, together before. And uh, so he's telling them, like, look, you're, you're like one body now. You've been brought together. You're, you're, same, you're family, all right? You're one body, all different, but you're, but you're one body, the body of Christ. And so as he's talking to them about what they can do, there's all these just little, little things that he says that I feel like are just little base hits, right? Just little things that like, oh, okay, yeah, I could do that this week. Oh, I could do that this afternoon. Yeah, that's something I can, I can do. He says to, to people, and he seems to be talking uh, about within the Christian family, he says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. He's talking about all these like, good things we can do for each other. And then he starts to echo what we just heard Jesus say a moment ago. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. You know, he's moving into like love your enemies territory here. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Uh, I'm going I'm to go back just a moment. That verse 15 that says, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, that is one that God has brought to my mind several times when thinking about the LGBTQ conversation that we were having last week. Um, and for some reason, I didn't get there last Sunday. Um, but when I, when I think of how I relate to friends, uh, who are gay or lesbian, and they're telling me about their life, and you know they're telling me about a relationship or a marriage or whatever it might be. And I know that there are Christians who say like, "Well, I can't like be happy for them. How am I supposed to be happy for them because we think that's a sin or we think that they're you know?" Um, and my the verse that God brought to mind was like, "Well, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. If they're rejoicing, it's okay to to have some empathy and and uh, to come alongside them and say, "I am I'm so happy for you." I am happy that you're happy. You know, this is, I'm, I'm celebrating with you. And if something happens negative and they're mourning, mourn right along with them. You know, to, to come alongside someone, you know, and again, he's, he's talking about uh, folks that you consider outsiders at this point, right? He's saying, bless those who persecute you, bless, don't curse. Like, okay, how can I, how can I bless this person? How can I come alongside them and, and show them love? Well, I can rejoice when they're rejoicing. I can mourn when they're mourning. We can live in harmony together. Now, harmony, those of you who know music, and today we didn't have harmony today, right, because we had, like, one vocalist. But if there are multiple vocalists, like, I didn't know, Amanda, if your, if your sister was going to be here. She was here. Was she here the last time you sang up here, like, or recently? Yeah. Um, who, Amanda's sister, older sister Jen, was the, the first of the Hurley clan, I think, to be up here on a microphone. And then, and then Amanda joined in when she was, I mean, uh, just a babe, it seems like. You know, before she was leading, she was up here singing. Um, but I think when your sister is here, does she usually sing melody and you usually sing harmony? Yeah. And so Amanda finds the, the harmony line, right? Which means you're not singing the same note. You're singing a different note, but it sounds good with the first note, right? It's a third or a fifth or whatever off of it. And if you know music, you know that kind of stuff. All right. Saying so we can live in harmony with each other. That means we might not be singing the same note. We might be disagreeing with each other about whatever it might be. But we can live in harmony, right? We don't have to clash. We don't have to, we don't have to make an ugly sound. You know, we can, we can live in harmony with each other. And that's what I, I hope we can do. I, I think like, whew, boy, if, 
if we Christians can, can do some of these things? Like, how might that change the, the tone of conversations if we decide, you know what, I want to I try to... I'm going to try to live in harmony with this person. I don't agree with what they're saying, but let me, let me try to find the good in it and, and harmonize. You know? I might ask some questions. I might push back a little bit on some places we disagree, maybe even passionately, but let me see if I can do it in a way that like, harmonizes and not in a way that is, is ugly. And part of that comes from not being proud, <laughs> not, not thinking like I've got it all figured out. Right? Some of it comes with a little bit of humility that says, ooh, you know what, there's probably a plank sticking out of my eye. I should probably make sure, you know, I, there's probably something that they're seeing in my argument or my position or my ideas that's not quite right. Hmm, okay. He continues, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. With everyone, right? I mean, if it's possible, some people just won't let you live at peace with them. You know, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This doesn't mean you don't bring up difficult topics. This doesn't mean you don't confront evil when you see it. I mean, if people are hurting each other, you stand with the victim. You stand against an oppressor. You stand against a bully, whatever. It is. You know, you, you step in to, to love and to protect and to, to care. But you, you do this, as far as it depends on you, you do this to live at peace and to help others live at peace. So do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. So you're not going in to like, you know, avenge what's been done to someone. No, you're, you're coming alongside to, to help someone maybe who's been hurt. But you're not going out for revenge against whoever hurt him. You're leaving that up to God. On the contrary, he says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Goes right back to that love your enemies thing, right? they're hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them a drink. Let God take care of the avenging, the revenging, the, all of that. This might, this might have, cause them to have a change of heart and mind because they see that you're being kind in spite of the way they've treated you. And that might, that might you know, cause their conscience to flare up a bit. He ends with, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We are overcome by evil when we Return evil for evil. When you do the thing he said not to, don't repay evil for evil. When we do that, oh, evil has won. That's all that's present now. You know, they acted evilly, and now I'm returning evil. And look, you look around, and all you see is evil. Evil has won. You're overcome by evil. Instead, he says, overcome evil with good. So others do something evil to you. You respond with kindness, with goodness, with love. These are not always huge things. Right? These are not always, you know, big, you know, things that are going to be on the paper, things that are going to go viral. It's not always that kind of thing, right? N nobody else might ever know that you said that kind thing, that you stood alongside, that you came up afterwards and said, hey, don't listen to what that guy says. He doesn't know. You know, you're, you're good. That you say that encouraging thing to the person who's just been cut down. Nobody else might ever know other than you and that person that you talked to. These are, these are small little wins, but... We know what's coming, right? We know the end of the story. We know that Jesus didn't just die on the cross, but he rose again. We know that the kingdom of God comes. Even though these are small little seeds, what's going to come from it is something huge that's eventually going to cover the whole earth. That the kingdom of God emerges from small little wins. In the end, that, it's the small stuff that, that wins. That's a different way, I guess, of using that phrase. Anyway, um, in the end, this, these small acts of love, they are, they are what wins, not the evil, the 
the big overwhelming sometimes evil that's done, but the small little bits of good, the small acts of love and of kindness and of grace. You know, a couple thousand years ago, to anyone present that day outside Jerusalem, when Jesus uh, was nailed to that cross and was hung there to die, to any ordinary observer, all they would have seen was yet another Palestinian man being hung on a cross, killed by the Roman Empire. I mean, they do this, they do this every day, right? This was not an unusual occurrence. In fact, Jesus wasn't even alone there. There were three of them, at least, you know, that, that are mentioned in the Gospels. To any observer, he was just another man being executed by the state. But we know better, right? We know that this was the Son of God giving his life for the world. We know that, that in Christ's act of love, giving his life for us, he was opening up the possibility of redemption for all of us as he encountered and then overcame death, as he defeats death and sin and the devil. To us today, it might look like something small and insignificant, just an everyday little act of kindness, just an everyday moment, opportunity to either, you know, to listen, to be good, to be kind, whatever it might be. But we know better. We know that these little kingdom seeds that we're planting are opportunities for God to be at work in someone's life, opportunities for someone to, to have hope, opportunity for someone to, to think there might be, you know, someone, there might be people who care about me. This person just cared about me. Maybe I, maybe I should have hope. Maybe there is something to when, when this person who just helped me, I know that they're a Christian. I know they go to church every Sunday. You know, maybe they have something, maybe there's something to this whole faith thing. We know that when we plant these little kingdoms, see, this is the kingdom of God arriving in small ways, and Jesus promises, yes, and it will grow, and it will have an impact far beyond what you could see from just the, the tiny little good thing that you have done. I forget who said it. Was it Mother Teresa about small acts of kindness or small acts done with love will change the world or something like that? It's a quote. You'll find it later. But anyway, it's just that I've seen it enough times shared by people in, uh, in things. It's like in the back of my head. And that's what, that's what we're talking about here. That's, that's the message of Jesus. That, that we can just follow in the footsteps of Jesus doing our small things, small acts of love. And this is the kingdom of God coming. We're, we're going to pray in just a minute. You know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And sometimes we hear that and think, kingdom come. That's the, that's the big battle at the end. That's the, the end of all things. Well, maybe when we pray that, we can just think, okay, God, your kingdom come. Right here where I live, can your kingdom show up? Can your kingdom arrive in the, in the little acts of love that you give me to do? Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. God, I want to do your will. I want to follow your lead. I'm going to show love. I'm going to help someone who's discouraged find encouragement. I'm going to help someone who needs just a little bit of help, just a few dollars might make a huge difference. And, and okay, God, I've got extra. I can give those few dollars. I can give that little bit of time. I can say that brief prayer. I can, I can send that text. I can make that phone call and let someone know that someone is thinking of them and cares. These small wins are part of God's much greater victory that is coming. And I thank God that we get to be a part of it. All right, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for the words of Jesus that are reminding us that these small, seemingly insignificant acts are not so insignificant. That you are there, present. Your kingdom is coming in these little seeds being planted in people's lives. Help us, God, to, to do our part. 
to rejoice with those who rejoice, to mourn with those who mourn, uh, to give, to love, to, to love first. Now, there's so many of these small little things that we, we can just start to practice them. If we can put these things into practice, that eventually we will see our family transformed. Eventually we will see our workplace changed. As we commit to, to singing in harmony, God, you will change the tone of conversations that we're a part of. Thank you, God. Thank you for the, the opportunity to be a part of the work that you're doing in the world. You have done this work in our own hearts and lives. As others, we're willing to do, the, to do those small little things, to reach out in love toward us, to let your grace flow into our lives through them. God, it has had an effect in our lives. Here we are saying yes to you. Here we are trusting in you. Now, God, I pray that you would help us to do the same for others. Do it allow your grace not to stop with us, but to continue to flow through us into the lives of others. Help us, God, not to be discouraged when it seems like we're not having any, any of the big impact that we would like to see. When it feels like we're just dropping seeds on hard ground and, and there's no, no fruit being born. God, would you help us to be patient? Would you help us to give your spirit time to work? Thank you, God, for being patient with us continuing to do your good work in our hearts and lives as we trust in you. God, there might be some of us right now that we have specific people in our lives that we have been trying. We have been planting little seeds. We have been reaching out in love. And, and God, I pray that, uh, that you would help us not to give in to discouragement. God, I pray that you would help us to see a little sprout coming up. <laughs> I, pray that you'd, I pray that you'd help us to see some, some growth it might not be harvest time yet, but God, I pray you'd help us to see some growth, some responsiveness to encourage us to continue to do the work you've called us to do. And God, we do pray for the harvest. We do pray for people to, to say yes to you, to respond to these acts of love with a love that, that blooms in their own hearts. Thank you, God. Thank you for doing this work. We don't always understand it. We don't know why sometimes it moves quickly, sometimes it moves slowly. God, we don't understand it, but would you help us to continue to trust you and to continue to do our part? As we do, God, I'm confident that we will, in fact, see your kingdom coming. Thank you, God. We thank you for this uh, illustration of this that we have, that we get to uh, participate in this morning, this act of communion. God, today we offer to you these simple little gifts, just a little bit of bread, a little bit of juice. God, we pray that by your Spirit's presence here among us, that we might be recipients of your grace, that we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. Such a, such a small thing, this little taste of bread, this little taste of juice, but, but it reminds us of your great love. Thank you, God, once again, for meeting us where we are, coming to us in the mess that we'd made of our sin and not condemning us, but instead inviting us to experience your grace and your forgiveness, to experience new life, to experience hope instead of despair. Today, God, we acknowledge to you 
our, our need of your grace and your mercy. I mean, we have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not always obeyed this golden rule to, to do to others like we would want them to do to us. God, we confess that we need your grace and mercy. And we thank you that you are so quick to forgive our sins, to wash us clean. Would you give us today the gift of your Holy Spirit so that we might be changed, so that we might be strengthened, so that we might be uh, led and empowered this week to be agents of your kingdom coming, to be agents of your love, of your grace in the lives of others, so that we might do what Jesus did for us, giving of ourselves, loving first. Thank you, God. We pray all this confident that not only do you love us, not only do you forgive us, but that you are able and, and desire to work through us, to let your love flow through us, to make an impact on others. Thank you, God, for including us in your good work. We pray all this with confidence in the name of your son, Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As we prepare ourselves for communion, uh, if you're here in the room with us, of course, we've got the little cups that uh, in a moment we'll be peeling back to get to the bread and peeling back to get to the juice. And, and if you're joining us from home, then uh, now's a great time, if you haven't already, to gather some elements together, some bread, some juice, or the closest equivalent, if you'd like to celebrate with us from, from afar. So um, we're so glad for the opportunity uh, to worship together. And uh, we look forward to the day that some of you might be able to, to come and, and worship with us in person. Until then, we're so glad for the chance to connect with you today, just like we are. We do remember, Lord Jesus, and we give you thanks for the love that you have for each one of us. Thank you for inviting us to be uh, partners with you in sharing that love with others. In whatever small ways you lead us to do this week, fill us, God, with the Spirit of Christ, that we might live this life, these lives of love, that we might look like our Heavenly Father, that we might look like Jesus here in the world. It's by your grace, by your Holy Spirit, that this is possible. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.